Read from John chapter 5. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would manifest yourself among your people today, Lord God, because I have nothing in myself to give them, but Lord, you your resources are limitless and your love is without measure. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to go back for just a second and touch on Isaiah 53, uh, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah wrote this some 700 years before Christ came. And the, the, what I want you to notice, the operative thing there is it says, and with his stripes we are healed, which means that Isaiah was saying right now, people are being healed by Jesus' stripes. He hadn't even come yet. But you see, the work in eternity that Christ does, and the cross was a work of eternity, moves in both directions. And people in Isaiah's day were being healed by Jesus stripes and guess what people today are being healed by Jesus stripes Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever that's why we can sing I know who goes before me I know who stands behind the God of angels armies has already been there and he's also following me up and he's by my side right now uh, the nature of miracles if you were here when we were doing chapter 2 and talking about Jesus first miracle oh, uh, of turning the water into wine. I told you God's miracles are usually things that he does all the time, but they're compressed in such a time frame or they, they require, they happen in, in such a precise nature uh, that the occurrences are, are miraculous. Um, I, I said at the time, God turns water into wine every year, but usually he just doesn't do it in the time frame of a few seconds. And usually he requires a little bit more participation on our part than just simply pouring water 
into, uh, into a jar. But when he does it that way, it's certainly a miracle. Fire falls from heaven on average over four times every second, somewhere on this planet. But when it falls at a specific place at the specific time that the prophet Elijah said, hey, we need some fire here so the people will know that you're God, that's a miracle. Something he does all the time, but it's, it's a miracle. And millions of people are healed every day because all healing comes from God. We used to uh, refer to, and, and some people I'm sure still do, uh, divine healing, divine healing services. I have a problem with that term, though, because all healing is divine healing. There isn't any healing that isn't divine healing. A doctor can set your arm, set a broken bone, but he can't make it fuse together. You know, only God can do that. Only the body that he created and, and set operate this way can, can make that happen. And medicines and all, they, they can assist the body to heal, but in large part, they just simply cover up the symptoms until the body heals. Divine healing. However, there are some healings which we call miraculous, and it's because they either occur in a faster time frame than they normally would occur. Broken bones don't always heal in three seconds, but they can, and that would be considered miraculous. Or they, uh, uh, they, uh, sometimes they occur in cases that just simply defy medical prognosis. Uh, the doctors have gone, no, that, that can't happen, and yet it does happen, and that's a miracle. Or sometimes they occur in obvious response to prayer and, and faith, and those would be miracles. Uh, I also want to address today the idea of extremes because this is a topic that oftentimes people go to extremes on, one or one way or the other. When I was young, I used to think that uh, being extreme was a good thing, was a virtue. The older I've gotten, the more I've understood that eh, might not be might not be quite the virtue that I thought it was necessarily. Uh, even when it comes to some things that have to do with the Lord. You know, I've seen people get really extreme in the way that they follow the Lord and go, that, that's wonderful. Go. But for every one that I've seen do that, I've also seen about three get really extreme and something didn't work out right. And the next thing you know, they've fallen away and shipwrecked. Yeah, and so I kind of go, maybe that's not necessarily totally what it's about for everybody. I think... That's why I really think that what God has really called us to is one step in front of the next step in front of the next step, day after day becomes week after week and month after month. And you find out, hey, this walking with God, this is really what he's called me to. This is, this is really what he does things in our lives that, uh, that we could never have imagined. So extreme positions, there's, there's really two that I can think of, and one of them would be a position of cessationist. Everybody say cessationist real fast five times. Did you do it? Okay, yeah, it's not a hard word, is it? Uh, and there are those who say that God doesn't work miracles anymore. He doesn't do it that way anymore. You know, he, he, he gave us a brain, we, we make medicine now, and he's given us a body, and that... That gets, it, that gets it done. And the idea was that miracles were needed during the Old Testament era, and they were needed 
in Christ's ministry so the people could identify the Messiah and then they were needed uh, during the time of the, uh, the, the 12, uh, the 12 disciples, the original ones, uh, to give the young church a nice boost. But uh, now that we've got the, the canon of the New Testament, now that we've got that, that New Testament put together, now we don't need this anymore. Uh, a couple of problems with that. One of the problems that I have with it is the fact that uh, while the, the New Testament was finished, and the last book was written ar- around the end of the first century, and even, you know, even the most liberal theologian would put it the middle of the second century, that while it was finished that early, we didn't really have the canon of the New Testament. We didn't really decide what books belonged in there till the middle of the fourth century. So that means that there was about 200, 250 years in there where sick people didn't have miracles or the New Testament. If that's the case, if it passed away with the, with the 12, with the original 12, when they, uh, when they died. Uh, also, uh, a problem that I have with it is that uh, nowhere in Scripture... Does it teach that the working of miracles was limited to a special class of people or a special particular time in history or anything like that? And nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that God has ceased to work miracles. In fact, it gives instructions regarding miracles. Now, when I was in the second grade, when did I learn to add and subtract? Might have been the first grade. I don't know. They, they learn earlier these days. Yeah. I learned to count in the first grade. See, I didn't have kindergarten that's one of the things, one of the issues that I have with my parents. But uh, <laughs> learn to count, and then I learned to add, and then I learned to subtract, and multiply, and divide, and all. You know, and there were times I was thinking, when am I going to use this stuff? I mean, did any of you ever think that? Or were you just all born accountants? Yeah. Yeah, when am I ever going to use this stuff? I mean, you find out later on that, ah, that's pretty, pretty useful information. Uh, God doesn't give us any non-useful information. If God gives us information, it's, it's news you can use. It, it's, things that, it's things that you need to know about. And he gives us instructions regard, over in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. It says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Well, if, if they don't exist, why would I need to be informed? And he goes on to, to list some of them and uh, in verse, uh, in verse seven, uh, it says, "Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, each one what? Each one pastor, each one evangelist, each one apostle. No, to each one like person. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And in verse nine, uh, it, it, as it's listing them, it says, "To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing." By that one spirit. So that's, that's one of those gifts that's given. Uh, now let me just say a word about the, the gift of faith because, um, boy, faith, man, you can, get, you can get lost in that subject pretty quickly. But uh, here's the thing. When we think about the gift of faith, oftentimes people think that, man, I've got I to gotta, gotta work that faith up and get me some gift of faith here. You know? uh, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Uh, two things. First of all, you don't get more faith by focusing on faith. You don't get more joy by focusing on joy. I mean, if you just think about joy all the time, it will probably make you depressed because you don't have it. 
But if you do things that bring you joy, joy comes. And it's the same with faith. You don't focus on faith to get faith. You worship. You, you hear testimonies. You read God's word. You, you open your eyes and look at what he's doing around you in life. And the next thing you know, faith is there. It begins to grow. It begins to be, I think the gift of faith also is, is, is something that you, you probably operate in it and don't even know it's happening. To me, an example in Scripture would be when God came to Abraham and said, I want you to sacrifice your son, Isaac, your only son whom you love, the one that I have promised that everything that, that I have promised to you has to come through him. Go kill him. How did Abraham do that? Abraham believed, the Scripture tells us, that even if he did this, God could raise the dead. He could just raise the dead. Abraham really wasn't that much more spiritual than us. I believe he was operating in a gift of faith. He didn't even know it was going on when it was happening. It was just there. And then he could look back on it later and say, oh, wow. When we went to Zimbabwe, and I'm going to tell a little bit more about that in a minute, I, I, that, was a, that was a gift of faith that was operating in our lives. I look back at it at times and I'll go, that, that you know, somebody could have looked at that and thought that was hard. Uh, but at the time, it wasn't at all because gift of faith was happening in our lives. Also, concerning instructions, James says over in 5, James 5, 14 and 15, is any, anyone sick among you? Well, if you got any people together, then the answer is yes. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. Now, even the, even the strongest cessationists to go, well, there aren't any apostles anymore. And the, the, the 12 are gone. And so therefore, even they believe that elders still exist. And the Bible says, call those guys. Call for them. So that people can be healed by the prayer of faith that's been offered up. Have I seen any miraculous healings? Uh, yes, I have. Well, let me just very quickly give you, give you two examples. And one had to do with us going to Zimbabwe. We, uh, uh, we, when we left Nashville, everybody was feeling fine. And by the time we got to Atlanta, Isaac and Arwen were sick puppies. In fact, I got just a pitiful little picture of them in the Atlanta airport just... You know, and it'd break your heart and look at it, so I didn't put it up. I also didn't want to embarrass them. But uh, well, our, our next stop was in Amsterdam, and we had um, an overnighter there. We were going to spend the night there and a whole next day, and I, there, was, there was some business I needed to take care of, but I thought, you know, we get to see the city as well, and Margaret's remembrances of Amsterdam uh, are basically contained to a a hotel room with a very sick six-year-old and a three-year-old. You had a great time, didn't you, dear? Yeah. And uh, I went out and did the stuff that needed to be done, like a man should do. And uh, so it, we were supposed to fly out at midnight on that second day. We get to the airport a couple hours ahead of time. We get to the, to the gate, and they say, ooh, wait a minute. Ah, we got to have this guy, we, this boy is sick. We need to call a doctor and have him examined. So they called the doctor, came, he examined Isaac, and he said, uh-uh, no, we, he can't go on the plane. Well, I cannot release him to fly. 
Now, here's where we were. Um, because we had, we were immigrating. We had 18 pieces of unchecked luggage, I mean, of oh, excess baggage. We had uh, the eight bags that we were allowed to carry. You could do that in those days. Each weighing 70 pounds, because you could take 70 pounds in those days as well. And, uh, and we had bought several things there in Amsterdam as well that were being put on the plane to fly to Zimbabwe with us. And we're already on that plane. So we're sitting there going, okay, Margaret, who... This is the first time she's ever stepped foot out of the United States of America. She and uh, our three-year-old daughter are preparing now to fly to Zimbabwe on, we thought we had a work permit, but actually we just had a, uh, a tourist visa. And normally they frown on tourists coming into a country with 30 pieces of luggage for a, a woman and a three-year-old, uh, all weighing 70 pounds. And, we, uh, and I was going to have to stay in Amsterdam where we knew nobody to find a place to stay and put my son in the hospital. Because that's what the doctor said had to happen. That was not fun. So what are you going to do? Well, who are you going to call? <laughs> gonna call? Yeah, you got it. We're going to call the Lord. And so we, we prayed, and about 30 minutes later, uh, it seemed like, could we get this doctor to check him one more time? You know, and the doctor comes and checks him and goes, I don't know what happened. Uh, now, when you get there, you need to have him examine, you need, especially his ears. I'm afraid of the pressurized cabin, but he, he can, I don't know what happened. Now, you know, that wasn't on television, and it wasn't anything that people want to get up and go, yeah, 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 God, yeah, God. But it was wonderful for us. And it was the only way anything could happen for us there. Uh, one other one. Um, a lot of you here in the church know Mark Robertson. And if you know Mark Robertson, you know. Yeah, he's, a, he's an extreme sort of guy. And he, uh, if, you have known, if you haven't known him over 15 years, one thing you don't know about him is that for, for over 10 years, he suffered very much with crippling arthritis. I mean, extreme pain. Mark hates doctors. I'm using the word hate here because Mark hates doctors, hates medicine. He went to every doctor he could find. He took every medicine that they, that they had for this stuff. He probably took some medicine that they didn't have for this stuff. He went to, to, to um, Kenneth Hagin's healing crusades. He went to um, um, what's it, uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland's healing crusade. He went to Oral Roberts healing crusades, went to all these places, were prayed for, anointed by all these guys, nothing. And, uh, you know, I finally told him, I said, well, you know, Mark, hey, when you die, you're going to heaven. He said, that's, that's pretty good. Lord, when I die, I'm going to heaven. Could you take me now? But if you don't, heal me. But, but he just kind of, he, he, he finally released it. He didn't stop praying, but he released the situation. On uh, July the 29th, 1999, he made a sales call. Walked into a guy's house. Mark sells water systems. Walked, in, walked into a guy's house. Never met this guy before, and the guy says, I believe the Lord wants you to dance. 
And I've heard several versions of what Mark's reply was. <laughs> but for the most part, it was kind of along the lines of, you are an idiot. I just want to walk without pain. The guy prayed for him. Every year on July the 29th, you won't find Mark Robertson because he disappears to go be alone with God, to separate, to celebrate when at 10 o'clock in the morning, this total stranger who said God wanted him to dance, laid hands on him and prayed for him, and he walked out of the guy's house without pain for the first time in a decade. God does heal people. He heals them today. Now, I got, I got, to, I got to get going here. There is another extreme. Oh, so why isn't everyone healed? Are we already there? No, we're not there. We are there. Why isn't everyone? Well, I'm not going to answer that yet. Okay. Uh, the, the other extreme I, is extreme that I call hyper faith. And let me, let me quickly get through this because uh, first of all, I just want to, let me address the influence of money uh, because there are those who use the suffering of others as a means to make money. Believe it or not, it's true. And, and, in the secular world, in, in, in the church world, uh, there are some people who use war, the suffering of others to make money. Uh, um, some in the secular metal, medical fields are there, are there for money. I mean, uh, they're good doctors. They're doctors who, and when I say good, I mean, you know, who really care about the people. But, you know, there are others, and there are uh, pharmaceutical companies and stuff that it's, you know, it's, it's about this. really is. And some are religious figures. And the Bible backs this up. Jesus, Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I'll tell them plainly, I don't, I don't know you. I never do you. Away from me. Um, that's why John tells us in 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many... False prophets have gone out into the world, and the promise of healing for sick people is and always has been one of the quickest ways to separate them from their money. Because when you're suffering, whatever it takes, you're going to do. Or when somebody you love is suffering, whatever it takes, you're going to do. And so whenever I hear somebody put a price tag on healing... I just want to smack a ward on their head. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like, yeah. And it's not even close to what, to the way Peter felt about it. I mean, when, when Simon the sorcerer saw uh, the apostles laying hands on people and them getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he said, hey, I'll give you money to teach me how to do that. Peter said, may your money perish with you. And I don't think he just meant, you know, may you rest in peace. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. So whenever you hear somebody offering along with the prayer the request that you need to send your $100 or your $1,000 or whatever it is that you've got, you run in the opposite direction as fast as you can. Because you cannot buy the gift of God with money. Call Rodney Boyd. He'll pray for you for free. He's an elder of the church. 
Now, I'm not saying that everybody in the hyper-faith camp is in it for money. By no means whatsoever. Some, some, and some people really believe that, uh, that, that everybody's supposed to be healed every time and, and or in fact, never get sick. And, you know, while I don't see that in, in Scripture, I, I don't have a problem with somebody believing that. If that you know, if that's what they're walking in and, and that's, that's what they're t- More power to them. Praise God. I've, I've been... I've enjoyed... Very good health in my life, but that doesn't mean that it's because I got more faith than somebody else or I've got uh, I'm a better person or I deserve it. I I have no idea except for the grace of God why it is to to be quite to be quite honest many and let me just say this many who have believed with all their hearts that you're supposed to be healed every time of everything lie in their graves now and they weren't translated. And there wasn't a chariot of fire that came down and got them. They got sick and they died. Very simply, it's, and you know, this is going to come as a shock to some people, it's not always God's will for somebody to be healed and healed right now. Over in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who'd been born blind. And his disciples had apparently been to some hyper-faith conventions. And they said, who sinned? Why, why is this man? Somebody sinned. Was, this, was it this man or his parents? And Jesus said, it wasn't either one of them. This isn't because he sinned, but it happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, we don't know how old he is. We know he was an adult. We know he was born blind. And we know that he was created for such a time as this, for this very moment, for Jesus to come by and God's glory to be revealed on the earth. And here we are, 2,000 years later. We don't know his name. We'll find out his name someday, but he's a famous dude. Apostle Paul pleaded with, uh, he, had a, he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. Pleaded with God to take it away. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, let me just tell you this. If you've, if you've been sick and you haven't, been healed and you've prayed and you've prayed and and it hasn't happened unless God specifically has told you this this doesn't apply to you this applied to Paul Paul starts it out by saying I had these visions I I was I was in heaven I actually saw heaven I saw things that I it's not even lawful for anybody to tell and to keep me from becoming absurdly conceited God allowed this to happen in my life. And so unless you are in dire danger of becoming absurdly conceited, this isn't about you. But Paul was given a reason in this case. He was told, you know, hey, look, (laughs) this is to keep you from... It's much better for for you to have this problem than you to have this problem. I am so great. And so sometimes... So why isn't everyone healed? Well, we'll get there in a minute. Uh, hopefully a fairly quick minute. Let me, let me just, uh, how does it happen? 
How are we healed? There is no formula. I, I know James 5, 14, 15 seems to be a formula, but God doesn't work by formulas. Some, some were asked to do something. You know, Naaman was asked to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Uh, the, the man who was born blind was asked, told to go wash in the pool of Shalom. If he hadn't gone and washed in the pool of Shalom, he would just have dirty eyes. He, he, would, he would never have been healed. He was, he was told to do something. Some uh, overcame obstacles. The, the uh, blind Bartimaeus cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he let out that shout, everybody in the crowd went, oh, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit's all over this guy. No, they didn't. They said, shh, hush, you're disturbing the master. And Bartimaeus said, well, maybe he didn't hear me. I will cry it out louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he, he had to overcome some obstacles. The, the woman who, who reached out and touched the hem of his garment, she was not the biggest person in the crowd. She, she wasn't, it wasn't just like Jesus kind of walked by and she kind of goes, ooh, got him. You know, no, it's a big, big group of people. And she had to push through the crowd to get there, to, to touch him. And she was a frail, a frail woman. She had had this disease for 12 years. So some had to overcome obstacles. And, in, and in, our, in our case, you know, most of the time the obstacles we have to overcome isn't that we need to shout louder or that we've got to press through a crowd. Oftentimes the obstacles we have to overcome is our own mind telling us that uh, I've given up. Just didn't happen. Isn't, isn't going to work for me. You know, that's, that's the enemy. That's, the de- that's something you've got to press through. That's something that, that you've got to get through. Some uh, weren't even there. When a centurion came and asked Jesus to heal his servant, the servant had missed the meeting. He was back at the house, laying in bed, when the Canaanite uh, woman came and asked Jesus to heal her daughter who was afflicted with a demon. Her daughter wasn't there. And so it is proper to come and say, hey, I got this loved one and, and, I, and they need a touch. I need to, I need to stand here for them. Some were prayed for. Um, and, act, and actually it's surprising how many weren't, but some were prayed for. In, in Acts chapter 9, Peter uh, prayed that a woman named Tabitha would be raised from the dead, and she was. And James says, call for the elders of the church to offer a prayer. So there are all these ways. And then there was this guy today. He didn't, he didn't uh, cry out. He wasn't looking for Jesus. Uh, he didn't reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Uh, and, and when he was asked, do you want to get well? He didn't say yes. He just said, I can't. And Jesus said, I can. You know, take up your mat and walk. And, and he did. He was, wasn't, even, wasn't even looking for it. So there is no formula. So why isn't everyone healed? I don't know. And neither does anybody else. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to our Lord, to the Lord our God. And you know what? There's some things that's better off, we're better off not knowing. Why did this one die? Why did, why did this business fail? Why am, I, 
Why do I have this affliction? You know, sometimes we wouldn't like the answer if God were to reveal it to us. And so there, there's some things that, I mean, I've, in, in all these years of walking with the Lord, I've come to a place in my life where I just, I trust him. And if he's got, if he's got some information he wants to give me, that's fine. I, I, it's information I need. If he's got some information he wants to withhold from me, that's fine. I need it withheld because he's, he's the one who's got that. The real question isn't why isn't everyone healed? The real question is, why don't we ask for healing? I mean, I don't know, I, I, I don't buy into the idea that everyone is to be healed every time, the instant that we ask, but I know it's wrong to quit asking. I absolutely know that because I got the scripture to back me up. In Luke 11, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, um, and he taught them the, the, the Our Father, uh, he also followed it up by a parable of a guy who, who went and asked his neighbor for bread. He, he, uh, he went and knocked on the guy's house, and it was midnight. And the guy uh, says, what do you want? He said, well, I, I need some bread. I've just had a, a visitor arrive, and I don't have anything, and you've got to help me here. And he goes, I, go away. You know, so he keeps knocking. And he says, go away. He keeps knocking. He says, I'm in bed. My wife's in bed. Our kids are in bed. Go away. He keeps knocking. He, he, uh, he says, I don't have my shoes on. I'd have to get up and get dressed. Go away. He keeps knocking. And Jesus says, I tell you this, though, he won't do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because you are a pain. <laughs> so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock, and, and actually the, the verb there is keep knocking, and the door will be opened for you. You've heard the parable of the persistent widow the, the, that kept coming to the unjust judge and asking for justice, and he wouldn't give it to her, and he finally said, this woman is wearing me out. I'm going to give her what she asked for. Luke 18.1 tells us why he told that parable. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. If somebody tells you, well, when you went and you prayed and you didn't get healed, it's because you didn't have enough faith, they don't know the Bible. They don't know the Bible. No, you're supposed to always pray and not give up. Why? Because it doesn't always happen the first time. Why? I don't know. The secret things belong to God. James, the same James who tells us to call for the elders of the church, says you, you have not because you don't ask God for what it is that you want, what it is that, that you need. And so the question today isn't why, aren't, why isn't everybody healed? The question today is uh, not that one. <laughs> the question today is do you want to be healed? That's what the question is. Do you have a loved one that you want to see healed? Do you want to be healed? You, and, and let me just say this also before we have people come down and pray. Your healing doesn't have to be in the Goldilocks zone. You know, we have a tendency to think that, oh, it's just a cold. Or God can't create a new organ that I need. You know, so, so this one's too hard and this one's too easy. And uh, Well, actually, it's really kind of, you know, and that, and that is... A, where is 
the right one that's not too hard or not too easy that you actually bring to God? How about just bringing all of them to Him? Would you stand with me? Well, those who are going to pray with people, come down. Is there any sick among us? I let the elders know that we were going to be, we were going to be praying for, for healing today. And um, a lot of them are, 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 are pumped. They're, 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 I mean, they, you know, and it doesn't matter how pumped they are. Because they, they can't heal anybody. It's about God. You know, so it doesn't have to be the day that we talk about the pool of Siloam. You can get healed on the day that I'm talking about something else. You know. But if you need a healing, you need to come today. You absolutely do. And not all healing is physical. Some of it's emotional. Memories. Relationships. If you need healing... You come, and if you don't, we're going we're gonna to sing a song that's going to help set up the, the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to work in, and, and you help seek God and find God for those around you.
this is a healing, but we got to sing that last verse. I mean, you know, hey, Paul, you're going to heaven. So, yeah, we got to sing that one too. And on that day when my strength is failing, he draws me and my time has come. Magnifies the Lord. That's what that is all about. Because those who are healed aren't healed by any grace or righteousness of your own or any grace or righteousness of those who prayed for you. It's by His stripes we're healed. Raise your hand. God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world to bind up the brokenhearted to sit at liberty those who are captive recovery of sight to the blind who was broken so that we might be made whole may you have that wholeness may you be aware of where it comes from and may the sense and presence of the Holy Spirit that is with you right now. Go with you and grow and not dissipate through Jesus Christ our Lord.